Welcome to the Smart Business Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Imoff Flores, and the Smart Business Podcast is the place for entrepreneurs to get an advanced mindset and skill set to build and grow a business that can scale in a big way. SMART is an acronym that stands for a scalable, mission-driven business that's automated with revenue streams all run by a team. And so if you would like to learn more about how to build a smart business or get coaching, consulting in this area or done for you services, go ahead and start by getting our free smart business formula guide at smartbusinessformula.com. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Smart Business Show. This is Adam here and I have a very special guest with us. We have Liz Illig here and she is a specialist when it comes to scaling businesses. In fact, she runs multiple businesses herself from brick and mortar to even digital businesses as well. And so I wanted to bring her on the show to talk about systems because the reality is, is every time you have a vision, you only can get so far doing it on your own before you need to duplicate, before you need to put systems in place that you can really grow. So that's why I want to bring her on the show. Liz, welcome to the Smart Business Show. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you today. Yeah, so excited to have you. So why don't you just kind of open up and share a little bit of your backstory so people can kind of know a little bit more about you. Awesome. So I really started from a really young age. I've always had like an entrepreneurial, you know, spirit to me. And, you know, I even remember from being a kid creating products that I would love to take to the market. I wasn't successful in bringing them to the market, but I feel like they were good ideas. And I've always kind of looked at my whole entire life uh, for being a child to where I am now of like projecting where I wanted to go and really seeing that through. And, you know, throughout this whole journey of, you know, owning brick and mortar businesses to digital space, I didn't actually know that I was good at building systems, processes, documentation until I was really faced with a nightmare in my business. And I can go into into that a little bit more, but I I didn't see that I was actually good at it. And so I, I feel like there's a lot of people that want to do certain things or want to be an entrepreneur. They just don't know where to start, but sometimes we don't even see what we're really good at and how we can serve others. And I had to look really to my husband to really tell me that what, what I was good at. (laughs) And that just seems so crazy sometimes because you know, we, we live in this space and we feel like we, we know what we're good at, but sometimes we just don't even know what we're good at. Sure. No, it's so good. And so, of course, you can't leave a cliffhanger about this nightmare story without diving a little bit into it. So I got to know what what happened. Yeah. So I was working a corporate job and I, I put myself through undergrad, my, my master's degree, and I was working corporate job. And I just got to a point where I really wanted to be the decision maker. I really wanted to be the visionary. I wanted to make those decisions. And so I read the E-Myth and I read that in probably about 2011 and I decided to buy my first brick and mortar. Most people don't start with a brick and mortar because brick and mortar means very, very high operations, hiring, having employees, the whole thing. And that's what I started with. And I bought my first uh, brick and mortar in 2013 from reading the E-Myth. And I think when I look back at reading that book, I really wanted to be the entrepreneur and have 
people assist me in building what I, what, what I now have. And I now have six locations under that one brand. So I have six pet grooming locations in the Phoenix, Arizona area. And I tell people that I was the operation for the first three years. I was the front re receptionist. I was the hiring manager. I was the IT director fixing computers. You know, I became everything, but I built the operation for what I knew best. I knew my clients. I created my journey for them. My, the whole experience, the look and the feel of, of how we interacted with people. And I spent those three years learning all of that. And no way did I know that I would be stepping out of the business after I built you know, processes and, and all of that. But I look at that and I see people wanting success overnight. And I really had to put in the time and I had to have the nightmare occur. So in 2016, I got to a place three, after three years to buy another space. And that was supposed to be the exciting time where I celebrated the success of being able to open a second location. And, you know, like I knew there was going to be challenges, but I didn't know actually how ugly it would actually get for me as the business owner. So I'll never forget the day that I was driving from my first storefront to my second storefront. And I kid you not, both managers called me at the exact same time with the exact same question for me as the business owner of how would you handle this situation? And right there and then, I knew as an entrepreneur, I had failed them. And the nightmare occurred because I was the business and I didn't train, I didn't onboard people well, I did not empower people with information. And I always tell people now, invest in your systems and processes before you invest in people. Because it's really hard to bring people on to your vision of what you want without having a clear idea of your business so that they can go to it and you're not needed for everything. I literally was needed for that whole entire year after that thing occurred. So what I did is I told myself that for the next year, I was gonna write down every question that anybody asked me about the business. Little did I know I was on a Word document and I would type every question and I would answer it. And I started creating a standard operating procedure for my business, training manual, operation manual, whatever you would like to call it, but it was building the processes of the whole entire business. And that's why I go back to what I started with is I didn't even know that I was good at that at that time. And so I started publicly speaking about taking risks and, you know, doing something that makes you uncomfortable. And people would come up to me after and say, Liz, I want you to help me with my business or I want to be involved with you. And I'm like, you can bring your pet into one of my grooming shops if you want to like, you know, you know, surround yourself with me. Cause I wasn't offering anything at the time. I was just a business owner trying to build multiple locations. Right. Right. And I, and I went home to my husband and I said, wow, I'm getting people fired up and they want to work with me, but what do I have to offer? I had just been in business for about four years. I didn't think I knew that much. 
And he looked at me and he said, Liz, you're good at building systems and documenting and really setting the expectation for how people can be successful in their careers. And I literally, I mean, jaw dropped, my, my jaw dropped because I never thought that was what I was good at, but I had to learn it because of that nightmare. So it kind of just fell on my lap and I was just solving a problem because that's what I like to do is I like to solve problems. And that was the way to solve the constant calling Liz with every question. I became Google where people would just want me to pick up the phone at any time to answer their question. And I could not sustain that with growing multiple locations. Wow, that's so good. And I think that so many times we struggle to replace ourselves and there's that mentality that, you know, if it's going to be, it's up to me, right? If I want it done right, I'm going to do it myself. And so it's like, yeah, but let's document that process. So that way someone could take over. And if that person leaves, there's still a process in place. And that actually enhances the value of your company. It makes it easier to train. It gives you more confidence that someone can follow what you're doing. And a lot of times it gets all the stuff that's in your mind that you do out on paper so that they go, you know what? Someone can do this. You know, this isn't rocket science. I think sometimes entrepreneurs, because we make it, you know, uh, we, we, we make it more than it is. It's like, but it's like, no, you're just doing these tasks. But if you keep it all in your head, yeah, that is a lot for someone to take on. And if you expect them to keep it all in their head, that's going to be overwhelming to them, you know? Yeah. And I love that you said that it brings value because I think a lot of times when people go into this venture of documenting, it takes time but it provides so much value to the business, but it also frees up the person that's the decision maker for everything. And I was that person. And, yeah. you know, going back to what you originally said is like, I feel like we, we feel empowered because we need to be needed sometimes in our businesses. Like it almost, we, there are our identity and that's what was happening to me. And I'll never forget the day that I was at my first storefront and I was still really attached to that storefront because it was my baby. Like I had grown it from like eight clients a day to 28 to 50 a day, right? Like it was my baby. Like I nurtured it every single day. You know, I, I would answer every call even at eight o'clock at night because I, I was so excited people were calling my business and it was an opportunity for me to be successful and, you know, be a part of my community. And my manager looked at me and she said, Liz, I need you to leave and give me an opportunity to show you that I have what it takes to run this business. That's powerful. It was powerful. And I mean, now just speaking it, it gives me chills because I looked at her and I was so impressed by her but I was sad because I didn't know what my business was going to look like if I wasn't physically there. Mm -hmm. And I got in my car and partly I was so sad. I was upset, but I don't know why I was upset. And I cried all the way home because I didn't feel like I was going to be needed in that capacity anymore. And that brought me sadness, but little did I know the moment I took little baby steps to get out of the like daily operations of that business, I became the visionary and I could see it so big, bigger than myself. And that's why I've now have three, four, five, and six locations is because I had an opportunity to focus my time and my energy and my money on building, building, scaling, you know, from, from growth to scaling. Right. 
right, and, right. and all of that. But if yeah. I wouldn't, if, if she probably wouldn't have said those words to me, I probably would not be where I am right now. Yeah, because you would have been there still. Yeah, that's, that's so key. I love that. And I think it's so inspiring too, when you realize that people sometimes are so much more capable than we can believe them to be sometimes like we can sometimes make them codependent, but it's like, no, people are brilliant. They're smart. And when you get a teammate who believes in the business, just as much as you, you know, you've found the right one, right? A lot of times there's that saying that people won't care about your business as much as you do. And I found that not to be true. People actually, the right people do you know, and if they don't, that's a sign you maybe have to get some new teammates or instill more mission or inspire more loyalty because it's either a leadership problem or you got the wrong person, you know? So I have a random question for you. And, um, and so this is a little bit, uh, a little bit off topic, but still about scaling. So there is this, there is a saying that, um, scaling sucks cash. So, as you had to open up these other stores, right? You went from being profitable with your one store, seeing that grow, and all of a sudden you open up another location. Did you feel like you were back in survival mode all over again? Tell me about that cash journey from going from one to many. So from day one, I have always reinvested my money, but I've reinvested it for a larger outcome. So instead of just staying at one storefront and only making so much money because I could only be open, I mean, I started five days, then I was open six days, seven days. That's where we we were at full max capacity. That's why I ended up buying a second location because we were so busy at the time. And I always love to reinvest my money. So if I make good profit, that, that showed me that I had enough money to go out and buy another. And that's what I did. But my, my whole portfolio has grown so much. So if one shop is only bringing in so much money, duplicate that by six. Yes, your expenses become, you know, higher and and things like that running, you know, a brick and mortar, but you have larger set of revenue and you just have to be really smart about how you reinvest the money and also spend at the bottom line and what what happens in between that revenue and that net what does that middle section look like of your expenses and how can you really narrow that down to show a net profit because a lot of people can say hey i bring in a hundred thousand dollars a year well, right. how much do you actually take keep of that? Right. Keep of that. Exactly. And that's exactly. where, you know, it can be really misleading to people where, you know, a lot of people are out there saying, oh, I bring this, this, this. Right. How much do you actually take, right? right? So, so, quick, so here, here's another kind of question to that, right? Because now you have these six stores. And before, when you had the one store, if sales were slow, you can get on the phone, you can start making calls, you can do promotions to get that one store up. But now that you have six stores, if you have downtime, how do you, like, you can't maybe control the marketing of all six stores now because it's kind of bigger than you. How do you still, you know, manage the downtimes as the marketer of the business? As far as brick and mortars, the, the larger we grew, the more communities we could serve. So what we found out in, you know, the big city of Phoenix is we may have somebody move out of central Phoenix but move to a suburb, well, guess what? I have a shop in the suburbs. 
right? So it was like a lot of times we're just shifting business from storefront to storefront, but every key player at the shops do their own marketing. So whether that be calling existing clients, and then I can also run way more ads and my ad spend can actually be greater because of my demographic is larger because of one storefront, a lot of people go, I just need one storefront and that's totally fine. But just think if you had other ones throughout, you can hit a whole different demographic. And let me tell you, I have six locations throughout the whole area and demographic is very different at each location about how much we charge even. Mm, that's so good. Love that. Love that. Love that. I like that you said you have independent like, like storefront like leaders that can do the marketing for that store, which takes the pressure off of you having to now market for six stores versus market for one. So I love that. And the great part for employees specifically is if one shop isn't as busy, we don't have to call them off. We can take them to another storefront to keep work. So it actually opened, it was kind of scary, right? Because we're like, oh my gosh, more responsibility and more, more area of service. But we've actually been able to retain a lot of clients and employees through moving or relocating or, you know, you know, right. you know, busy days to not busy days. And right. so it's, it's actually been a really good balance, which I never would have ever thought about going into, yeah. going into multiple locations. Yeah, got it. That's great. Wow. So where could people you know, learn more? Like, how could they connect with you? Do you have any like free resources for them? Or what is the next step for them for people listening that may want to be able to enhance their systems? Yeah, so I have a worksheet that I'll share with you um, about systems and delegation and feel free to download it. It's free download, kind of takes you through some processes to start thinking about. And then also on my website, uh, lizillig.com, I work with people one-on-one -on -one for growing and scaling and specifically documentation and building out systems and what that looks like for your business. Beautiful. Go check her out, you guys. We're going to put her links in the description below so you'll be able to access it there. And Liz, thank you so much for being on with us. Um, if you got value listening to this, uh, you got to share it with another entrepreneur because systems is not talked about enough and it's such a needed aspect to really create freedom. And I just want to close out with a quick tip on this is that sometimes, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, like an empire builder, you just want to run, you want to go. And sometimes you got to take a step back to take two steps forward and get your systems in place so you can create the freedom because that's why you became an entrepreneur. You didn't become an entrepreneur to become a slave to your business. And so that's why what Liz does is so valuable. Liz, thanks again for being on. So grateful to have you. And you guys, if you haven't already, subscribe to this channel, uh, subscribe to this podcast and share this episode. Thank you, everybody. And we'll see you guys in the next episode.